Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And today we're going to have a conversation that I would share on a personal level falls in the midst of what has been a number of the dialogues we've had over the course of the podcasts here as of late, talking to everything from teacher retention to teacher recruitment to the teacher shortages to the things that schools are doing and really the education community broadly to try to support what is an issue in education today, which is thinking about staffing and and making sure that our teachers feel supported and are doing well and that we're growing our profession. And so uh, we're going to have a conversation today about distance learning in Nebraska with regards to a little bit of the history behind that. uh, And then also some of the things that are going on at this moment to bring awareness to those. And so I'm really grateful to Barry Schaefer, who is the new moral public school superintendent. First year in that particular role, though not a first year uh, as a school leader by any stretch. Uh, I've had the good opportunity to chat with Barry previously in his time when he was in Arthur County. Uh, And then also uh, Dr. Nicholas Ziegler, uh, who is a coordinator of the ESU5 World Language Program and a familiar voice on the Good Life EDU podcast as he's uh, joined us for a number of other initiatives. Nick's always busy doing a myriad of things in support of education in our state. So gentlemen, welcome to the podcast today. Looking forward to learning more about DL as you've experienced it. And so I'm going to start with Barry. Can you share a little bit of your history with this instructional delivery method? Yeah, sure, Andrew. Um, So as you mentioned before, I'm currently the superintendent in Moral, Nebraska at at Moral Public Schools. I previously, the last 10 years, I have been in Arthur County at Arthur County Schools. And there I served as a principal and superintendent in several different capacities. But one of the things we did at Arthur when I was there is I had a Spanish teacher and we offered Spanish through DL to various districts across the Sand Hills. So we offered it to Stapleton, Nebraska, to Sand Hills schools, to Thedford, to Hyannis, uh, Garden County for a while. And so it was very different. But we were able to offer an opportunity for students in different districts to have Spanish because they weren't able to hire a Spanish teacher and we weren't always able to keep a Spanish teacher busy full time. But by doing a DL thing with other folks, we could one, help pay for the teacher and number two, offer opportunities to keep him as a full-time staff member. And our kids had somebody on staff in the building to teach. And by doing it through a DL system, like we have been doing now, and that's been going on for quite a while in that area of the state, we're able to have face-to-face teaching as well. And we would offer the opportunity for our teacher to travel to the district to meet the kids in person. And a lot of times he would go to some things like awards nights or other things just to recognize kids for their efforts in class and so forth. So it was something we did for what last two or three years we were receiving it. But once he retired, I wasn't able to replace him. So had to find a way to do it. So I reached out to ESU5 and said, hey, we'd really like to work with you. And uh, is there something we can do? And we were able to establish a relationship with ESU5 and Dr. Ziegler and get some services offered to Arthur County. And I think it opened doors then for them for some other school districts in the area to also take some, because I think it's been a very good relationship for the school districts and for us. And 
we were talking earlier, talking about expanding across the state with some DL here. He's in the far eastern end, and we're kind of in the far western end. And it's a really good relationship, and it works really well for students. Well, and Barry, I'm going to ask there and go a little bit Mm -hmm. off script from where we were going to pivot to, which is going to be to introduce Dr. Ziegler here. But before we do, for those that maybe hear us say DL, distance Mm -hmm. learning, and instantly call to mind experiences that maybe looked like some of the things that happened in the spring of 2020, for example, uh, it doesn't look like that. Uh, In my experience. And so I I would um, just ask for maybe just a brief clarification of what is that experience like for the learners in this delivery? Okay, so for the longest time, school districts have had rooms set aside for offering of distance learning. Most of the rooms have like large TV screens and cameras and different things available that a teacher can be seen and then they can see the kids in the classroom. So in our classroom at Arthur, we had four big screens, one on the front and the back of the room and two cameras to be able to see different views of the classroom. It's like they're in the classroom with the teacher, but they're really not with the teacher because the teacher's in another location but they feel like they're in the classroom with the teacher because there's still that interaction between the teacher and the student. And they always had a monitor in the classroom so that a monitor could make sure the kids stayed engaged with what they were supposed to be doing. You know, sometimes the teacher's like, you got to get this done. You got to get this turned in, whatever. Um, Sometimes that monitor is that person that's right there. And the monitor and the teacher usually work very well together to make sure that the kids are completing certain tasks that need to complete, but that learning is also occurring during that time. So DL is different than what we did in COVID. In COVID, it wasn't as classroom-like as what we have with our DL rooms and DL equipment now. So there's more of that personal connection between a teacher and students that we all know research and COVID showed us is so important for learning for kids. That relational connection between students and teachers needs to be there. And they're allowed to do that. And from my experience as the receiver, as well as the person giving it out, those teachers work really hard to make sure they make those connections with kids. And their expectations are not any different than the teacher in a regular type classroom. And those kids benefit of that relational connection between students and teachers. Yeah, I'm with you. Having got, had the opportunity to observe in some of those settings, it isn't learning in isolation. It's learning in a community and that community of your peers. And in just the time I had the opportunity to see students playing games, uh, which led them to be in teams and move about the room in groups. And there were even uh, one of the lessons I was fortunate enough to watch had students up out of their seats, kind of speeding around their desks, actually, (laughs) as they were uh, competing (laughs) against one another. And it felt very familiar uh, as a Mm -hmm. former classroom practitioner myself. So uh, I do want to Pivot now and welcome Dr. Ziegler to the conversation. Uh, And so Dr. Ziegler, having heard what Barry shared to this point, what would you say is, I guess, first of all, kind of your backstory with this work, and then maybe building a little bit from there to what's going on with your program at the moment? Thanks for having me. I was nodding my head a whole lot when we were listening to our good friend here, Barry, in relation to what distance learning looks like and how different it is from that COVID era, remote learning, emergency learning, however we were calling that, uh, distance learning really is the next best thing 
to having a live person in your classroom. So a bit of my backstory. Yes, I'm the coordinator of our world language program at ESU5. Currently, we have seven educators teaching the 16 different school districts across the state, including a couple over in Barry's time zone. I started at ESU5 as a distance learning Spanish teacher. Uh, and so I, I guess I know firsthand, I, I worked here at ESU5. I taught to Ansley in Arcadia, Nebraska, uh, near Kearney in the central part of the state. I completely agree with Barry. We can talk about different models of what distance learning looks like. One, for example, is that more asynchronous experience where kids are logging into a learning management system. Maybe it's Canvas, maybe it's Blackboard, but they're logging in and they have a task list and they're going through and checking boxes, getting things done without a direct connection from the teacher. That's I think we have learned through our remote learning, our COVID experience, that that's not necessarily the best way for kids to learn. How we organize this is, as Barry described it, our teachers are directly connected to the districts that they're sending to. It's a one teacher, one school district experience where every day the students have that live synchronous experience with their teachers. We also are firm believers in, in that idea of building relationships. And, and so our teachers will get out to those school districts uh, quarterly is our goal. We do use Canvas to organize our online classroom. But again, that face-to-face -face connection, albeit through Zoom, it really does feel like you're in the classroom with the kids. You can do a lot of those same activities that you would do in a face-to-face -face experience, physically in the same room. Yeah, and I would build upon that or at least kind of extend our conversation next into not only the historical why behind this work, because it has been going on for upwards of 15 years uh, in our state. And that said, I do think that that has also placed itself in a modern context uh, regarding the teacher shortage. But uh, to maybe give some of that historical why, Barry, coming from a rural area and understanding, well, I do at least because I live in Omaha and my kiddos go to school here in Omaha, uh, there can be a little bit of a divide with regards to course opportunities. And DL, I think at its heart, began um, with trying to make sure there was some equity across that. Is that, is that right and fair to say? Yeah, I, I would I would say yes, that's correct. Um, all schools deal with Rule 10. Okay, Rule 10 is the big thing. And so you need to offer different types of opportunities for kids. And one of the requirements of Rule 10 is a world language. And not everybody can offer world language because that's where a shortage has always kind of been. But now we're seeing that same type of shortage in a lot of different areas. So one of the things we've been able to do out in this more rural part of the state is, is to take advantage of technology to be able to offer different things. I Not only have I seen opportunities for like a world language, I've also seen school districts go, hey, does anybody have... Uh, some room in an algebra class or does uh, we have offered when I was at Arthur County again, I had a teacher who would offer out college algebra working in conjunction with uh, Mid Plains Community College. It offers a higher level math class for students at Arthur County, but it also offers the opportunity for students in other districts to take that higher level math class. So uh, distance education, when I was in Arthur, the nearest school was 35 miles away. So, you know, when you're out there in, the, in that part of the country and you're just that far away from everything, 
having something like DL can be a big difference maker as far as opportunities for students to have different learning experiences. We even at one time did a DL with Mullen on a physics class for one of our students. So I've used DL a lot of different ways to offer those opportunities for kids and it does allow us to do it. Now we still offer all the same basic stuff we did before, but it, it still offers those other opportunities that maybe we wouldn't have had had we not had that, that technology or capability. Now, when I came here tomorrow, we didn't have a Spanish teacher. So we actually found a couple of uh, school districts nearby that were offering that and then allowed us to get some kids in there. So we're doing some DL here in Morrill as well. And if it wasn't going to work out with those school districts, I was going to be reaching out to Dr. Ziegler because having worked with him and worked with the SU5, knowing the quality of teachers that they had, I knew our kids would benefit well from that. Well, gosh, you gave me a lot to work with there, Barry, that I want to summarize very quickly before I pass things back off. Uh, Dr. Ziegler here. Uh, and the first one is to just say the breadth of courses. And I know that the SUCC through our Invis site has served as kind of the clearinghouse for those and place where we can post what is available at any given time. Recently had the good fortune to collaborate with our partners at NDE and ask them, what are our top five needs across the state of Nebraska at this point? And so I would like to share with our audience those top five. And that is in the areas of career education, number one, uh, language arts, number two, science, three, math, four, and world languages, five. And just in your informal dialogue there, Barry, hit upon three of those uh, that have been a very real experience for you in your time in a, as an administrator. Uh, and I appreciated also what you shared with regards to technology and what I have gleaned from my time in the role that I currently am in here with the CC. Uh, is that, yeah, historically, this went to things like four TVs and multiple cameras, where now we have Zoom, we have experience with some of those pieces, and, and the microphones, I think, have gotten even a little more inexpensive over time. Uh, I do know that there are folks around the state that have been working on enhancing some of those pieces, so some of that tech is still a need out there. For example, can you hear the students in the back of the classroom as well as you can the ones that are in the front? Uh, and what are we doing to make sure that there is the opportunity for that classroom to feel as familiar to the teacher uh, as it would if they were able to walk about the space. Uh, and so that continues to be an expense and a piece of it. Uh, and then lastly, and this will be maybe our pivot point, uh, I love what you shared there, Barry, with regards to, you know, this looks so different across the state that it is tough sometimes because people say to me, well, give me a, in an elevator pitch. <laughs> What does DL look like? And it's like, well, sometimes it's higher ed, but sometimes it's one school and another school. Other mm -hmm. times it's a program like what is happening at UCU5. And all of these various approaches really exist because we as Nebraskans invested in our collective education community have found ways to make it work on behalf of kids. And I'm just really grateful for that. Um, but it's worth the conversation today so that everyone that, that listens into this can see how flexible and committed as well. Um, so many different institutions and organizations have been towards ensuring that these courses are available to the degree that ESU5, uh, and if you would, Dr. Ziegler, speak a little bit more to what do we mean by the world language program there? Uh, as I know that that has been something that has gained significant traction over the course of the past few years. You guys are making me blush calling me Dr. Ziegler. And so it's Nick, but uh, I guess real fast, I'd like to help communicate that it really does work. 
So we've expressed a little bit about different models of what distance learning can look like. And we've talked about the ESU5 program being a one teacher, one district experience where it really does end up feeling like that person is in the classroom with you, the kids. Um, so I've been the coordinator of our program for the past four years, and we've moved from one teacher serving two districts to now seven teachers serving 16 school districts. We've seen some real growth in those students. This last year, we administered a proficiency test. This is different from an, an achievement test, right? It's a proficiency test, measuring students' ability to speak the language. 96% of our students met our goal for them at a Spanish 2 level of novice high, which is a pretty lofty goal across. I, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in that face-to-face -face experience or a DL teacher, 96% meeting that goal is great. We also administer surveys to students and to adults in those different districts, and we're seeing that overall, the kids enjoy the classes, they feel like they're learning, they are motivated to learn, and they value learning the language. That task value is, is super important. We've had three students achieve the seal of biliteracy, including one over at Arthur County Schools when Barry was over there. And I think he could uh, share that that student was a special student and did amazingly well in our Spanish classes. Yeah, I yes, I exactly. This student was a student who had an IEP, but had a huge interest in learning a language. And he wanted to move forward with Spanish. And so we were able to work out into his schedule, working with ESU 5, that he went on beyond Spanish 2. I think he went all the way through at least a 4. And by the time he was done, he was, in fact, encouraging me as the administrator to try to learn more about the language and to speak the language. And so I was doing a little babble stuff on the side, trying to have a little conversation with him. And, and I can tell you, because of my own learning there and talking with him, I, there were more and more things I was beginning to understand him say, and we would have little conversations in that language. And he even moved on. I can give a little more of his background. He was not only a SPED student, he was actually adopted and originally from Poland. So he wanted to learn more about his own Polish language. So he was kind of picking some of that stuff up on his own as well. And uh, through the program that we offered through DL with DSU-5, we were able to meet a student's needs to move forward. And I can tell you too, this proficiency test was really cool to see where our students fell in those ranges. And I could tell you from beginning to end, I could see growth in the students being able to converse in a language different from their own. And this test really bore that out. It, it let us know where they were. It also helped them understand what they were learning and why they were learning it. So those are all because we were able to form a partnership with the issue five and offer students the opportunity to continue learning in the world language to meet some needs that we had to meet as a school district. And yeah, it cost us some money, but it still wasn't as much for the district as to pay for a teacher with all the benefits and everything within. But again, the same principle I had when I was offering it out, I was collecting some fees from the other districts to help me basically pay for a teacher. So it's a great partnership because it helps both people's and their own budgets and different things as well, too. 
okay, I got, I'm going to, and I've done this, this whole conversation. I want to pull two of those pieces through and the <laughs> like one that I would lift up first and foremost, and is really, I think at the heart of what I hoped we would capture with our conversation today. And so I'm so glad that it just kind of organically bubbled up there is to say that, you know, that these efforts get supported by the legislature and NDE has its role in things like rule 10 and making sure that these opportunities are available to a certain degree for our students. And, and then you look at the ESU support role in this particular instance, where it is a program that's out of ESU five. And some might think, well, wait a minute, ESU five, how, why, how are they able to do this and send something that's clear across the state as Barry shared earlier, we're talking about like exact opposite ends uh, of Nebraska. And that's, that's how flexible this programming is uh, with distance learning mm -hmm. and, and how collaborative everyone uh, has been in trying to support learners in this way. And so Barry, by making the space for that and through that collaboration uh, just leads to impacting a kiddo who I love hearing that story, love hearing his passion for this, that he, he not only just acquired the language, but was able to feed uh, intellectual curiosity and get excited to come to school and, and to learn those things and look forward to that particular class period that, just to be clear, may not have been an opportunity otherwise, right? Exactly. And, and that's so incredibly important. Uh, you know, I think that Nick alluded to earlier, there's there's some that, that would say, you know, well, that versus the in-person. And, and I think that it's imperative that we keep this framed as this is to support as needed <laughs> with the in-person still being there. And so we're not talking in absolutes. Uh, we're talking about making opportunities for the, exactly the kind of stories you're talking about. So I'm super fired up to hear about that. And then I would also just want to press in briefly because I have had a number of conversations with administrators uh, from across our state that, again, they're like, give me the elevator pitch. Tell me in 30 seconds or less how this works. And the funding piece sometimes can be a little tricky because it is different uh, in different mm -hmm. parts. But uh, Barry, as you alluded to there, can you give us a little more, again, speaking to colleagues, for example, um, mm -hmm. how would you communicate to them that financial benefit one more time so that we really just have that solidified and how that can play out? Okay, so when we hire a teacher, we have not only a salary to worry about, but we also worry about all the benefits that go forth. So uh, in a lot of districts across the state, school districts pay for not only the salary, they pay for the insurance benefits, the retirement benefits, they contribute to those. They just So a total package of a teacher, depending on where they fall on the salary schedule, and the teacher teaching a foreign language or world language is going to have a little more education than just your regular bachelor's degree. So they're going to be a little farther on the scale. So they're going to cost you a little bit more money. And, and that's just the way it is. I mean, that's a school's budget, probably 75 to 80% of it deals with personnel. Okay. So being able to offer us a teacher during a period and pay based on how many periods or whatever we would offer that teacher, we're able to give the benefit of some money to help pay the teacher salary and so benefits and so forth to the entity like the ESU. Or if I'm the one offering it, I'm able to collect some money that helps me afford that in my budget as well. And what I would do, because I had the teacher in my building, on my pay scale and whatever, is I would assume 55% of that teacher's cost. So I would figure up the whole cost for the teacher and I would say, okay, because they're here, they're with me, I'm going to assume 55% of this. And I would take the other 45% and depending on the schools and the number of students we had, 
we would split that cost over that case. ESU 5 did something very similar as this is what, what it was. And if I asked a question, okay, I got to explain this to my board. Tell me how we're figuring this. They were like, well, it's still less than a teacher. Well, we're ready to do it and our kids get it. So the board didn't have any problem with paying what it would cost us to do that. And just depending on how who you're working with and how you work it, that's how we work it out. The school districts I'm working with here, one does it one way, one does it another, but it's still the same principle. We're helping pay for that person's spot in our district and pay for that service we're being offered by the other district. So it works out really, really well. It's a collaborative effort. When I worked with Nick on getting things offered in Arthur County, again, we're talking central time zone, mountain time zone. We sent him our schedule. We sent them our calendar. And Arthur County was a four-day school week, so it was a little different to work with us on some things. But we also offered a 60-minute class, so they were able to work some things out. So the abilities that we had to be able to collaborate and work together and say, here's what we have, here's what we would like, and they would say, well, here's what we can give you back. And to be able to compromise and work back and forth really was appreciated and I will tell you, great experience for me as the administrator working with them. Like I told you before, had things not worked out with what we had in Morrill, I was more than willing to reach out to ESU 5 and see if they had some availability because of the people we got to work with there. And ESUs, people don't always understand ESUs when it comes to things like this either. I don't know how many people you would say, well, what's the ESU do? What's the ESUs offer services that we can't always offer ourselves. And they offer them at a reduced cost to the district. Uh, now, they'll look at a total cost of the ESU and say, well, why are we? If you really sit down and pencil those things out, in the long run, it's still a reduced cost to the district and services we may or may not be able to offer ourselves. And so ESUs, people don't always understand that, but ESUs are a huge part of the educational system in Nebraska. And the more people understand that and the politics get out of things, they would understand that these are things that help, especially small districts, do what we can do. Oh, I think I would like to bring the conversation to a close, just building upon that and maybe ask one more time from you, Barry, to speak to the importance I guess there's what I'll say. I grew up in a town of about 3,000 people, which is not small by some definitions, but small compared to Omaha. <laughs> and, right. and, and I know the role that that school plays in our community back home. And uh, I know that's something that you and I have had a chance to speak about previously, too. So, yeah, maybe talking to that as well. Like the support to provide these schools is critical for those communities as well. Yes, it, it is. And, you know, over the course of time, now this is year 35 for me in education, and all of them have been in Nebraska, all of them. And I've been in a small, I taught in a small school in Culbertson, Nebraska. I've taught in McCook, Nebraska. I was in Arthur County, now I'm in Morrill. Schools in small communities are the hubs. They are just are. And that's where people get together. Their kids come here. We have the social activities every week when school's in session, football games, the volleyball games, the basketball games, whatever's going on. Uh, maybe it's a music program, maybe it's something, but that's where everybody likes to come and go. And that's probably one of the things that we're so glad to have back now that we're all able to be more in person and do things is where we're able to have those social things. We're trying to 
get some things going back here again and moral to get people more involved again. But, and if, if by having those supports, for example, my local ESU 13 does a lot of really great things for school districts. If I know that they have something that they can support me in and I need it and I can't figure out a way to do it here, I'm going to be reaching out to them to see how we can work together, how we can partner. One of the things that our Department of Ed likes us to do is partner with community members on a lot of different things, but partner with, with other entities. The best setup we have across the state to help schools partner with the folks are our ESUs. They just are. I worked really well with ESU 16 in, in Arthur County. ESU 15, when I was in Culbertson and, and McCook, they were great partners for our districts. The issue five is a huge partner, not only for where they're at, but just as you can see across the state. And we're starting to, I think we're starting to see our issues do those things, look around and say, well, what can you offer? And what do we offer that's really good? So it's kind of like two teachers in a classroom saying, okay, here's where I like to teach and here's my strength. This is where I would like to be. And our ESUs are saying, well, we're really strong in this and you're really strong in that. Maybe we can all collaborate and offer to our schools all these different things through different cooperations. So people who don't understand that about an ESU, they just haven't done enough research on what an ESU does. All they are looking at is the bottom line. And that's what tends to get us in trouble is we don't look at the, the whole picture and we kind of let some of our own prejudices come across. And so somebody complains and we've had some people, I'm going to tell you, we've had people in our legislature in the past who have given ESUs and given our own school districts a bad name. And we're still fighting that battle. We will fight that battle for a long time. But if people really dig into what we're doing and dig into where we're going, they're actually going to see that their tax dollars are going to benefit really good things. And then they need to really research what's happening and go to some meetings, go to some different things, ask questions. I don't think in Nebraska, we're afraid to answer questions. I think that we live in a great area where if people ask, people will try to answer a question and we try to be as transparent as we can in a lot of different things. But from my perspective as a school administrator, I really want to partner with my local ESU because they are able to offer things I can't, that maybe the issue is able, able to give me. Gosh, well, Barry, we so appreciate your time and just getting an opportunity to, as you said, I mean, the podcast, we try to do this. We try to capture these authentic stories and the work that's going on and the conversations that we're having and to hold those up so that others can learn from that, that we can collaborate across ESU borders, whatever that might, you know, on a piece of paper look like, because as an education community, we do work together in Nebraska and happy to, to be transparent with those things and uh, do what's best to serve all students with their respective needs and the communities across our state with services like distance learning and so many others. And so thank you um, both to Dr. Nick Ziegler, <laughs> throw Nick in there, uh, and to Barry Schaefer with Moral Public Schools uh, for their time today and for advocacy on behalf of this work. And so we will have an episode coming up next week that's going to be on co-teaching as another way in which we can maybe start to think about uh, things from teacher retention to teacher recruitment, and just a, a, a different slice of the conversation. But uh, for today, really grateful that we got to dive into this topic. And thank you both for your time. Thank, thank you. you.